Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This September marks the 50th anniversary of Ferdinand Marcos Sr.'s Declaration of Martial Law. This series, we are calling it The Memory Project, hopes to keep alive the testimonies of thousands of human rights victims under the dictator's military rule. What you're about to hear is from an affidavit attesting to the ordeal and fate of one such victim. It will be read by one Filipino who pledges to never forget. Please listen. Mabuting makinig. On September 28, 1972, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was in bed running a very high fever. Military units without their nameplates barged into our house. They were sent to me, according to them, on orders of the provincial commander for questioning without any arrest orders, subpoena, or the like. They were in full battle gear on the premise that I would fight back. I was persuaded to go with them, backing on their promise that it won't take long for me to be home again. When I arrived at the barracks, the provincial commander and his assistants greeted me with a strong thud in the abdomen and caused me to vomit blood and which affected one right rib. I was threatened to be shot by a forty-five caliber pistol to coerce me to give information I actually had no knowledge of, like the organizational structure of the CPPNPA in our province, who were its leaders and members, and the distribution and production of what they termed as subversive documents. Not even content, they inserted live M16 bullets between my fingers and then twisted my fingers together, for which I grimaced and screamed in pain. I was then brought to another cell showing a just-beheaded man, telling me that I would suffer the same fate if I refused to cooperate. In the early part of the afternoon, they brought in a friend and in front of me they cocked a pistol and pointed it to his head, saying that they will blow my friend's brains if I did not give them the information they wanted. I was really shocked because I really had nothing to confess. I began to tremble and eventually lost consciousness. When I regained my consciousness, I was already in a cell. Later, they once more called me for another interrogation. I was forced to drink red paint from a cup, which resulted to vomiting, dizziness, and weakness for several hours. When I couldn't take any more, I demanded to have a lawyer represent me, but they claimed they were the law since martial law was already declared then. I was totally and completely isolated in a cell for two days like a hardened criminal. I was not allowed to receive any visitors, go out, nor to talk. I was fed leftovers which I ate because of hunger and if only to survive. The following day, I was deceived and coerced. The sharp blade of a bayonet was stuck at my back, at signing ready-made statements. I was treated like a hardened criminal, forced to work under the scorching heat of the sun. 
A month after, we were allowed to have lunch with our families once in two weeks, but we had to obtain a pass, had escorts, and had to be back in the barracks in the afternoon. This was very humiliating for me and my family, considering that I belonged to a simple, respectable, and religious family, and had parents who inculcated in us the importance of good morals. It seemed I was a criminal having been adjudged as such without even the benefit of due process. Two months after arrest, I was brought to Camp Olivas in Pampanga. At this point, we were subjected to different sets of interrogation. In one of the interrogations, I was made to sign a statement involving the fake arms landing in Terencing, Palanan, Isabela. The interrogation included kicks, torture whips, being slapped with a hard material resulting to scars on my face and a hump on my forehead, and being pushed so hard to and fro, causing the twisting of my left knee. There were times when I could only cry in desperation. Every time I was called for interrogation, I could only foresee imminent death. What if I could no longer bear all the pain and there and then expire? Sometime in March 1973, I consulted a fellow detainee who happened to be a physician regarding my state of health as I had already lost so much weight and that I felt my body was slowly giving up. He kindly helped me with what little medication he had and advised me to keep praying and offer everything to the Lord. He was then released. As of my latest confirmed information, he has passed away. On April 4, 1973, I was temporarily released after signing the Certificate of Release with Remorse. The contents as stated in Contra, to wit, A. I did not submit myself voluntarily for interrogation and investigation, but was forced and deceived. B. It was the other way around, as stated earlier. C. I lost my souvenir gold wristwatch during the process. D. The condition given violated my rights as a citizen under respect of law. Finally, I will carry the scars of torture psychologically, socially, and physically for the rest of my life. All that I seek now is truth and justice, just like the fate of my fellow ex-detainees dead and alive. Will you also pledge to never forget? And would you like to lend your voice to The Memory Project? Email us at tekateka at pumapodcast.com and we will send you an affidavit that you can record, a testimony you can help keep alive. In the meantime, if you appreciated this episode, please share it with a friend. Mabuting makinig, lalo na kung sama-sama tayo. Tulong-tulong tayo to remember and never forget. 